Let him have it, Chris. Let him have it, Chris. Let him have it. Let him have it. Button. Switch for everything. You're listening to Aerial View on WFMU East Orange and worldwide on the internet at WFMU.org. What kind of radio no show is this? I heard his voice on the tape. Really put the hook in there. I've been broadcasting many, many times. Sure, we on both the white boats and the hope schools. Jersey, Let's talk. I'm sick of talking. Stop it. Stop it. You get out of here. Jesus, Jesus we're told to say it. I know how to talk to people. Just clear the mother's own house. I've got this man go on the air, deliver a coded message. Shut up, You're out of your mind. No, I'm not out of my mind. Oh, come on. Now, we're going to listen to what he said on the air. Because all we're dealing with here, after all, It's me, Chris T, on this Aerial View Podiatry Cast with the first installment of the Microcassette Project. Microcassettes were the smallest cassettes you could buy. It went like this. It went your standard cassette that you all know and love. Then you had your mini cassette. And then you had your microcassette. And back in 1991... I went and bought myself a micro cassette recorder because I wanted to narrate various parts of my life. I don't know if I thought I would use the recordings as part of Aerial View or what, because Aerial View was already on the air. It had been on the air for a couple of years. 
I recently discovered these micro cassettes. I went looking to clean up various drawers in my desk, and there was a box without any label on it, and I have it right here that I had business cards in in the past, and in this box there are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 micro cassettes that I recorded back in the day. But the most interesting ones were the ones that, to me, that were labeled Hate Your Life. One is labeled Hate Your Job and Life. And these were recorded over a space of a couple of months from September of 91 to October of 91. And I haven't listened to these since I recorded them. So I thought it'd be interesting to go and listen to them. And then I realized I no longer had a micro cassette player, recorder, because mine had broken and I had thrown it out. So I went on eBay. I bought another one, found a brand new one in the box, never been used, for like $25. It shipped from Cyprus, of all places. I got it last week, and I popped in one of these tapes, and I just was amazed at what I was hearing. I, I, I am such a different person now in so many ways than I was then, and in some ways I'm the same person. But back then I was going through a very difficult time and full of self-loathing and doubt and self-hatred and hatred for the world and... Um, so I, this is going to be a difficult one. This is going to be a difficult aerial view, but I wanted you to hear this because this, there's no other form I can do this in than as a podcast. I can't play, I could never play this stuff on the air. It's too full of obscenity. And, um, as you listen, please uh, remember that this was, uh, when I was 29 years old, I, I am now 53. This is almost a half a lifetime ago of uh, me complaining about my job and about my life and about New Jersey and about so many other things. And um, there are a couple of more installments of Hate Your Job and Life I haven't listened to yet. So I don't know what's on there. And then there's a bunch of other assorted micro cassettes that I may or may not ever turn into podcasts because I, I don't know if I could ever get permission from the other people who would be heard on those tapes. So for right now... It's all me, Chris T. Let's go back to September 23rd, 1991 for Hate Your Job and Life Part 1, in which you'll hear me at my job at the time, a company called Paper Direct. Yes, we sold paper direct to the consumer. And think of Dunder Mifflin in the office if you want to try to picture the place. My job was on the phones, inbound telemarketing. This is... Before the advent of ordering over the internet, so people would call and place orders with us. And when I look back now, this was the training ground for my career in talk radio. Here it is, Hate Your Job in Life, Part 1, from September 23rd, 1991. You'll hear me on the job, you'll hear me in my car, you'll hear me driving, you'll hear me in my house I was living in at the time and all of it seamlessly held together by great big heapings of self-loathing. Hello, Paper Direct. Chris speaking. How may I help you? Okay, was there a problem? Okay, can I have your daytime phone number, area code first? Okay, did you order under another phone number, perhaps? Okay, what was the name of the company? How are you spelling that? And what state are you in? Can I have your zip code? And uh, the first four digits of your street address? Okay, these items were shipped last Wednesday to Oregon. That's six to seven business days by UPS Ground. Okay. 
Okay. That's right. So you had they left on Wednesday. That means you had Thursday, Friday, Monday, Tuesday. Wednesday would be five days. Thursday would be six days. They should be arriving by Thursday or Friday in the afternoon. Okay. Okay. When you when you spoke to the person who entered the order, the order from you, did they explain to you that that was the ship? You had the desktop color foil. You had the Hammermill 4 copy paper in salmon. You had the copy paper in turquoise. You had the Index Maker 5 tab. Uh, and you had the free paper kit. Uh, well, it's uh, hundred between 150 and 200 of our papers. And also the paper selector, which is like a swatch book. It covers all the other papers. Right. Any other questions? Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Hello, Paper Direct. Chris. Okay. It's five minutes after seven. I just got out of work. I'm sitting in my car. And, uh... It was a terrible day. They've all been terrible days. I didn't take lunch break today. I was supposed to go from 1.45 to 2.30, and when I got up to leave for lunch, the phones were ringing off the hook. And I made the mistake of going to Michelle, one of my supervisors, and saying, uh, should I go to lunch or what? And she said, well, do you think you could stay? You know, we'll pay you. So I've just worked from 10 o'clock till 7 o'clock with one 15-minute break. Non-stop, non-stop, non-stop callers. That means, that means, that means that I would hang up with one and I'd be talking to another. Hang up with that one, I'd be talking to another. Hang up with that one, I'd be talking to another. And they're all such incredible assholes. These people are so fucking stupid. It's a, cr it's a crime. It's criminal how stupid these people are. They're sitting there reading the same goddamn thing that I am, but they can't tell what it says. They don't know what it says. They call up and ask the same questions over and over and over again, these people. And then there's that... that... that thing, Patty. Oh, God. I will not mention her name again, but all she does is talk. She never shuts up. She's either on the phone talking to somebody, or when she's not on the phone, she's talking, and it's always about herself. It's always about what she did and who she knows and the jobs that she's had and all of the things that I don't care about, frankly. I really don't. She's so fucking full of shit. I don't know how this person stays alive. I don't know why she isn't fucking dead. Oh, God, no one's killed her yet. Oh, she's so fucking annoying. I've never met such an annoying person in all my life. And I have to sit next to her for nine hours. <laughs> oh. She's always laughing to herself. She's always <laughs> oh, <laughs> this foreign, this forced laugh, this phony forced laugh. All the time, man. All the time. I don't, I don't know what the hell she's trying to prove. I don't know what the hell she thinks this is. Is this ingratiating? Is she being ingratiating? Is she, does she think she's being charming or lovable? Does she think she's being lovable? Now, Patty, there, I mentioned her name again, is just annoying. That's all. Nothing else, nothing less, and nothing more. 
simply annoying. I have a fucking headache like you wouldn't believe. My fucking head is pounding. I have this spot in my back that is just a mass of muscles. A tightness that just will not go away. Here goes Michelle. Just beeped goodbye. You know, I got home and I got things to do. I got all kinds of crap to do. I got typing to do. I got stuff to write. I got all kinds of stuff to do. I'm gonna be too tired. Look at these two fucking idiots jogging past me. Yeah. I hope someone runs you down. See, the thing about where I work is there's this health club over here. And the health club, uh, shares a parking lot with us. So you always see these guys out jogging and these girls out jogging and everyone looks really nice. Everyone's handsome and tanned and fit and athletic. All those things that I'm not. All these people where I work are handsome and tanned and fit and athletic. I mean, I've never worked in an office with so many, like, handsome people, you know? The guys are all, like, you know, manly and, and tall and, you know, very Aryan. And the women are all, like, they're like fucking models or something. I don't know. I got to go into work. I have to look at this first thing in the morning. I got to look at perfect teeth and beautiful flowing hair and uh, the healthy glow of people who don't smoke and don't drink and vote Republican. Really irritating. When all I want to do is go in there and like have a cup of coffee and slink into my cubicle and not be bothered for the rest of the day. And they have that superior attitude that all, you know, good looking people have. People who have never had to like worry about their attractiveness. People who have never had a problem with members of the opposite sex. You know? And they're nice, too. That's the worst part about it. They're nice. For the most part, you know, they're really cordial and gracious and stuff. I mean, they, they don't have to be nasty. What do they have to be nasty about? They got no reason to be nasty. You know? Oh, I've done it now. I've gotten into the traffic for the Rod Stewart Show at the Brendan Byrne Arena. Look at all the assholes going to see Rod Stewart. Yeah, that's right. Come on over, jackass. Come on over into my lane. That's right. Make the lane change. Go see Rod. Rod is God. I don't fucking believe this. I can't believe all these people like Rod Stewart. I just don't believe it. But it's true, because I'm stuck in the traffic. And I can't get over. I can't change lanes. No one's letting me over. Don't let me over. I don't want to go see Rod Stewart. I want to go home. Let me over, you stupid fucking assholes! I don't believe this, man. Why don't they have a separate goddamn road altogether for these people? I've been so angry lately. I've been so angry. I'm... I'm like a raw nerve, man. I just don't know what to do about it. I certainly can't quit my job. I don't have a goddamn cent to my name. Every week. After I've paid off everybody, I'm lucky if I have $40 to get me to the next payday. And I'm sick of this. It's getting bored. I'm bored with this nonsense, man. And I keep wondering why I'm not smarter than this. Why I haven't done something about this yet. Why haven't I done something about this yet? Man, do I really want to suffer this way? There's something about me that says yes. There's some part of me that probably does want to suffer this way. That doesn't think I deserve anything more than what I have. That thinks that I'm some sort of lowly form of life who doesn't deserve anything good. Who doesn't deserve a good job. doesn't deserve the things that other people take for granted. And this is what I end up with because I don't like myself whatsoever. But you know, at least, 
I'd like other people even less. So that means something, huh? That's a small victory. Although I may not like myself at all, I like other people even less. Well, it's Saturday night at uh, 3.15 in the morning. It's actually Sunday morning on uh, September 29th, I believe, 1991. And uh, just came back from uh, spending some time visiting Ken and Gina. And um, it's a bad time with the weekend, you know. It's so full of expectation. And all the things you're going to go do. And all the steam you're going to blow off. And the friends you'll see. The good times you'll have. And the stuff you'll do. And it mostly turns out to be a disappointment. My weekends have been the same. Ever since I can remember, you know. I come home by myself. I can remember Sunday mornings. When I was going out with Marie. You know, it lasted three months of, you know, being able to wake up with her on a Sunday morning. It was really nice. I really, I really liked it. really enjoyed the idea of actually, like, sleeping next to somebody and waking up with them, having breakfast and going and doing things and stuff. And nowadays, all I wake up with is the cats. That's one of them now. Yeah, and although the cats are warm and cuddly and affectionate, you know, it's no substitute. I just wonder, like, how much longer I can go on this way? Because I don't feel like going on anymore. I just know that, like, you know, when the last strand of hair on my head disappears. And boy, it's going fast. I'm not going to look at myself in the mirror. I can't look at myself in the mirror now. I avoid mirrors. If there's a mirror in the room, I don't want to be near it. I don't want to pass in front of it. I just want to not have to think about what I look like. I, uh, I have, I have a little bad attitude, I know I do, with so many people who are so grateful just to be alive, you know, they make me feel like I'm ingrate, you know, I have the gift of life. Greatest gift of them all. Get to see the sunrise and the sunset and all that hokey stuff that people think is so wonderful. But I don't appreciate what I have. I don't appreciate the gift of life. I guess I'm beginning to care less and less about it. I'm stuck. I was just stuck in a routine. This may all just be a tremendous depression. This just may be a tremendous, tremendous depression. Maybe that's all it is. Maybe it really is the beginning of the end. And I have to start thinking about that. I have to start thinking about that. I'm going to be making some subsequent tapes where I I walk from room to room in the house here cataloging what stuff is mine so that uh, it could be given away or you know sold or whatever I have this real fear that if I go out and never come back 
that um, most of my stuff will disappear before the next day. And I, I won't have a chance to give things to the people I want them to go to. I have to think about this. I have to really consider what it's going to be like, you know. Just think about dying, you know. That's really hard, and it makes me upset. But like living makes me more upset. Um, and the thought that. It's just going to go on and on this way. And I'm too chicken shit to do anything about it to make a change. You know, it just seems so hopeless. Really, really hopeless. And, um,. That's a problem. Trying to remember whether or not I've ever felt loved or like I felt in love. I'm trying to remember if I've ever felt like I was in love or somebody loved me. I guess I have. I guess it would be lying to say that I never have. But I mean, it's been so little. It's been so infinitesimal that it might as well be non-existent. I guess is what I'm trying to say. And uh, I get angry at myself because I want the things other people have. And they take them for granted. You know, I want to be able to come home to somebody or know that when the weekend comes, I have a date and I can go see somebody. I also want somebody to believe in me. You know, someone to, to say I'm okay. Appreciate all the things I do. And I want people, I want people to I want people It's Monday, September 30th, midnight, end of a long day. Um, I decided that I'm going to call the place I work for Carrot and Stick Enterprises. That's kind of the way it, uh, the way it goes. And uh, not much, I guess, to say really about the job today. It's the same stuff that it was Friday and Thursday and Wednesday last week it's just that we've all become so discouraged you know I was talking to this guy Nick uh, when I took uh, my lunch break and we were talking about how bad it is right right now and he was saying how glad he was he had a job which is the attitude all over you know if you have a job you're really glad that you have it just thinking about the people in power the people who uh, own the businesses and the, the way they've been running them for the last 11 or 12 years which is They've just been uh, 
you know, just using everything up, using up the resources, using up their people, and, you know, chucking them away. They have absolutely no, they have absolutely no, uh, compassion, or, you know, they really don't care, you know, less than they ever did in the past about the people who work for them, you know. Every dollar you pay is like a dollar that's coming out of their pocket. And any way they can cut that down, any way they can get you to work for less is fine. It's okay in their book. They'd be happy if you could work 40 hours for one dollar, you know? They'd be happy if they can give you other things to do besides what you're already doing. They can give you more, more to do. And I, uh, become so bored with it, become so utterly, uh, upset over, you know, how I'm part of that whole war that's going on, uh, the war on the working class. You know, we've been divided and conquered. That's the only way to put it. You know, they split us up, man. They have us going at each other's throats, and we don't really know who the enemy is. The enemy is greed. The enemy is a company that run away with uh, themselves and, and just turn into money-making machines for the people uh, who are the top dogs, the executives, all of us who are not. Top dogs are just screwed, you know, we're just biding time until we die. It's, I don't want to think of myself as that way. I don't want to think that I have no choices anymore, that it's all over for me in this kind of world we live in now, which is a lot harsher in worlds of the past, in the 50s, the 60s, the 40s, or whatever era you want to name when you could work a job and still bring home enough money to enjoy the weekend or maybe put the kids through college or buy another car, whatever you want to look at as the earmarks of the American dream. It's just that they don't exist anymore. That's unfortunate, but true. We've been bought, sold, and we don't we just don't know how to how to make it work, how to treat labor, how to bring them to the table, you know. It's really discouraging, it's really upsetting for me to think that there is no kind of formal redress of grievances. recorder because it's convenient to carry around. I could uh, make notes into it, feed it ongoing ideas, and talk about what's happening to me. What is happening to me? I don't really know, except I think, I think I'm nearing the end of my life. It's probably the only way I could put it. I think that's what's happening. I'm driving home now. I just left the radio shack where I bought the cassette for this thing. I have to go home and see if I remember to return that video cassette to Grant Union of Days of Thunder, really bad. Tom Cruise movie, I don't even know why I rented it, but I've had it out for a week now. It's the way things go when you're broke and you have no money. You take out a tape on Monday, you don't get paid till Friday. So you have to keep it out. And it costs you $10. Like what happened at the mechanics just now. I wrote him a check for $127.46. I post dated it by a week. He deposited it when he was supposed to. And the check bounced. It bounced because I don't know how to balance a checkbook. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Anyway, there wasn't enough money in the account because as soon as I deposited the money to cover this check, my bank was processing all kinds of fees and, and dunning me all sorts of crappy little amounts, $10 here, $20 here. 
God knows what. So there wasn't enough to cover this $127.46 check. So I had to call him from work to tell him that I'd bounced a check on him and he flew into a rage. He was absolutely livid. I don't fucking believe it. You know what that does to my books? Now I'm operating in the red. Oh, fucking hell. I'm going to be bouncing checks all over town. Jesus Christ. This is a guy whose who's shop I've spent nearly $5,000 in. Since I started uh, since I started going there a couple of years ago and bringing various cars there. Nearly $5,000. He's complaining because I bounced the check. So I had to go by there and give him the $127.46 in cash. And then he asked me for $20 to cover the bounce check fee. I mean, you know, that's just the way it goes when you're broke. It's the same day. It's September 23rd, 1991. My name is Chris Sackis. 29 years old. Just turned 29 years old. Uh, it wasn't a very good day for me. Today was a Monday. It was one of the worst days that I've had in a while. Although they've all been pretty bad. I don't think I can have a good day. I mean, my days are filled with things that I just don't want to do. I mean, nobody wants to do the things that I have to do. Nobody wants to work. Not in a shitty job. For shitty pay. I have to go there and spend nine hours wishing I was not there. Which tends to make you unhappy. But I just don't know how to grab hold of my own life. I don't know how to make it work. I don't know what to do. I feel... I feel like really hopeless. Hey, it's me, Chris T., listening to an Aerial View Podiatry cast. Let me flip this over to side B of Hate Your Job and Life from September 23rd, 1991. The first installment in the Micro Cassette Project. And uh, let me take a moment also to thank all of you who contributed to the Crunch Time Silent October Fundraiser. I do appreciate all of you who took the time to make a pledge to this program, and I'll also be saying my thanks in the newsletter, so look for your name there. Okay, it's... It's September 24th, 7.56 a.m. in the morning. I'll be getting out of bed. I'll be getting out of bed in another four minutes to get up and get uh, showered and dressed, get out of the house. I have no money. Uh, I think I have two dollars. Yesterday I, um, as you may remember, I forked over most of my money to Phil at Phil's Auto. And I think I came home with twenty dollars and I bought some dinner and I bought a bottle of wine. And now it's down to two. So, if I want to eat something today I'll probably have to go by the mobile station and charge some stuff. This is, there's this mobile station over near where I work that uh, they have uh, food and coffee, you know, stuff like that. And uh, I can go over there and load up on some stuff and take it to work with me. Because otherwise, uh, I'm not going to have anything to eat all day. Uh, I'm still thinking about what they said yesterday at work about um, if it gets any busier that we're not going to be able to take our lunch. And the way it was said was that uh, Marguerite, one of the supervisors, said, well, we checked into it and we don't have to give you lunch or breaks if it's an eight-hour workday. And the way it was said was like, you know, we don't have to. We do it out of the goodness of our hearts. We give you lunch and we give you two ten-minute breaks. 
they truly believe that people can sit in front of a in front of a video display terminal in front of a CRT for nine hours at a stretch without going fucking crazy. Anyway, I protested. I whined. And Marguerite called me inside to the conference room and had a little talk with me. And the first thing she said to me got me really worried. You know, she said, Chris, I get the feeling you don't like it here. And I was thinking, oh my God, no. They have me pegged as a troublemaker. No, they're going to fire me. They're going to fire my ass. I'm going to be out of a job again. If I lose this job, I'm fucked. What am I going to do? And I said to her, well, that's not really it, you know. It's just like, I just, it's Monday, and I, I just, the thought of, like, you know, being in front of a screen for nine hours and not getting up and going somewhere or looking at something else is just a little upsetting, you know. That's the alarm clock. It's 8 o'clock. Marguerite said she understood, and she said that I'd have to, like, bear with it for a while because it's a growing company, and if you bear with it and just show them that you're willing to do the work and do the extra effort, you know, that they will reward you. They will reward you. That they, they, they notice the people who go the extra mile. It's the people who complain and who don't want to do the extra work who don't get rewarded. This is absolute bullshit, because I've heard this at every fucking place I've ever worked at. It's always the same bullshit. It's always management telling you. Well, if you go the extra mile, you will be rewarded. If you just do this little thing for us, and where's the reward? The reward never comes. You know what happens? The moment the economy takes a downturn, your ass gets laid off. You're the first one to be fired. That's bullshit. Reward. So anyway, this is what I'm up against now. I gotta go there and I gotta shut my mouth. And I gotta not let it show. I gotta keep quiet. I, I can't let them know how pissed off I am. That they keep taking away. Taking away. Taking away. They never add anything. First thing they took away well, when I started there it was supposed to be $19,000 a year, which is shit pay to begin with. How does a person of my age live on that salary? I don't know. It's less than I was making in 1982. So the first thing they say is that they're going to institute a commission structure, which means our base salary is going to drop to $14,000 a year. And the other 5000 has to be made up in commission. And, ooh, anything you make over that 5000 well, that's yours. That's gravy. That's money, extra money you've brought home each month. Wow. Except that's not the way it's going to work out. The way it's going to work out, because the company's very smart, is that it's going to be an absolute struggle to make up that $5,000. And you'll be lucky if you come out dead even. That's the way it's going to work out. And then they started taking away little, little bits here, little, little bits there. Take away your lunch break. Take away a little bit of your medical benefits. You know, just constantly squeeze and squeeze and squeeze and squeeze until they have the absolute efficient operating machine. Totally customized customer service representative. Yeah, well... I gotta get out, because if I stay there any longer than six months, I'll be killing people. I know it. I'll just snap. My fucking mind will just go one day. So I gotta get out of there. It occurred to me... It occurred to me that uh, when you work in your regular job, whether it's 9 to 5, or 10 to 6, or 11 to 7, or whatever. And you come home from that job, and if it's a tiring job, you can't get anything done. Nothing gets done. Everything is left. Whether it's writing a letter to somebody, or cleaning your room, or even making yourself some dinner. 
I can't remember the last time I came home and wanted to cook something. Lately when I come home I don't want to do anything. Either want to go upstairs and slam the door behind me and lie on the couch and watch TV or maybe listen to a record or listen to the radio smoke a cigarette maybe have a drink or something or I can listen to the cat purr is a very restful sound. If people were able to purr, it'd be a much better world. Check one, check two. I should tell you what I'm doing. I'm about to go to sleep and I've put the tape recorder on voice activation. I can see if I talk in my sleep. sleeping last night. Good morning. It's September 25th, 1991. It's 26 after 9 in the morning. It's raining. It's overcast. I'm driving down South Dean Street in Englewood. I just went past the Oval Bar where Wilson Pickett shot somebody many years ago. This is the route I take every morning to work. Matter of fact, I have a routine. I wake up groggy because I never get a good night's sleep. I never want to be up that early in the morning. My eyes are always half closed. I stumble into the shower. Take a shower. Come back out, get dressed. Ooh, what's this? A huge puddle. It's been raining all night, so there's flooding. And this puddle is about a foot deep that I'm driving through. So where was I? I come back out, I get dressed. I go downstairs to get in the car. My first stop of the morning is the bagel shop. The bagel shop is run by Koreans now. And the prices have gone up. They're a little bit ridiculous. But if I can afford it, I get myself a regular coffee. Some sort of bagel, whether with butter or cream cheese. And an orange juice. And maybe some sort of drink for later on in the day. And then I get back in the car and I turn the radio on and I drive to work. Now, over the years, I've worked in... Uh, number of different municipalities, places that were near and places that are far. Where I'm working now, it's not as far as I used to go, but it involves getting on the New Jersey Turnpike, which is nothing to do at this hour of the morning. Nobody should be forced to do this.
there's just no local way to get there. It's either Route 80 or Route 17 or the New Jersey Turnpike South to Route 3. Yesterday morning I got stuck in traffic because there was a... The center lane was closed off. God knows what they were doing, but they closed off the center lane of the eastern spur of the turnpike southbound. And this morning it'll probably be some other god-awful thing. What with the rain and people not knowing how to drive properly in the rain. So I'm sure I'm going to get to work with maybe a minute to spare. And I'll be treated to some real awful scenes on the way. Now I'm in the express lane, or is it the local lanes, of uh, the real tip of the New Jersey Turnpike. I'm headed south, and there appears to be some sort of traffic delay on the other side. I, however, am not on that side. What the hell could they possibly be doing out in this rain? There's nothing they could be doing. That's the answer. I'm trying something different today. Whoopee, I'm taking Route 80 West to Route 17 South. Wow, this should be an adventure. Well, 17 is one of the lousiest roads in this godforsaken country. So let's just see what's in store. Somebody tells me I'm gonna regret this. All right, so I've just taken Route 80 to the uh, 17 exit South, Route 17 exit South. And now we're waiting for a light to turn green. It just turned green. I don't know what the hell this is. It looks like some stupid local road. It doesn't look like any Route 17 to me. And a big tractor trailer has just gone through the red light. Incredible. See, we were waiting for the green light, which means it must be red on the other side, and some truck just went through it. New Jersey's propensity for uh, stupid signage for you people who don't drive, New Jersey's like one of the worst states to drive in. I'm, I just made a left turn onto what looked like to be this local road and I got into the right lane and I drove about not even a quarter of a mile and I'm in the right lane and I see this sign saying South 17 and pointing to the left. So I immediately had to make a lane change. You know, and uh, the, the roadway is wet. People aren't paying attention because they're not awake. I've got a cup of coffee in my hand. And I gotta make this sudden lane change because I can't put the fucking sign in the right place. Well, this Route 17 has turned out to be a really bad idea. It's nothing but traffic lights. And it's like the uh, crappier side of New Jersey. I don't know if you could really say that anything is the crappier side of New Jersey because it's all pretty crappy. But anyway, it doesn't look all that good. It's not what I want to see first thing in the morning. And there's far too much traffic. I think in the future I'm going to have to stick with either the Turnpike or Route 3. Alright, I just got out of work. It's uh, about 8 minutes to 7. They let us out about 7 minutes early. I've just been sitting in the car rearranging things. I have far too much paper on my hands. My life is being overwhelmed by paper. Um... I actually went out, you know, I got one of those filing boxes that you put files in, just like a plastic crate. And the other night I sat through it and I threw out, like, nearly a whole hefty bag full of stuff. I don't know why I was holding on to this stuff, but my new rule is I don't hold on to anything for more than a year. But the, uh, the job is just added to my filing. It's just created more work for me in terms of, uh, filing away little stupid bits of paper. It was, a, it was a, a typical day. It was hard. It was a hard, long day for low pay. It's the end of a, another long day. It's now a little bit after midnight. And it's still raining. I woke up to the rain. Going to sleep and it's raining. Uh... I just don't know. I don't know how I make it from day to day. I don't know how I do it. But somehow I keep doing it. Just haven't gotten the sense to give up yet. 
I really just want to be free of all of this. I don't want to feel trapped. But that's all I ever feel, is trapped. I went to the staff meeting tonight at FMU. After work, I didn't get home till like 11.30. And someone there was talking about a job they got. It just made me so envious. It's a job at some recording studio. Kind of job I've always wanted. And I thought to myself, why don't I go out and try to get one of those jobs? What's wrong? Why aren't I doing what needs to be done? just don't have enough ambition, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I know I want it. I just don't know how to get it. Well, there you have it. Hate Your Job and Life, Part 1, which is from September of 1991, believe it or not. This is Chris T. with another Aerial View Podiatry cast and more from the Micro Cassette Project in the future right here on Aerial View. We have a few minutes left, so I'm going to leave you with a song I recorded on a Tascam Porta studio at around the same time I was making these Micro Cassette recordings. This one's called I Can't Hold On Anymore. If you want to find me online, aerialview.me is the best place to go. Links to all kinds of things there. And don't forget the Facebook group. See you next Tuesday. If you'd like to sign up for the newsletter of the same name, drop me a line at ct at wfmu.org and I will see you next Tuesday. Next Tuesday. See you next Tuesday.